What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson, and we are being joined today by a special guest, Todd Clippert. And look, with the magic of Restream, here he is. It's good to see you, Todd. Uh, this is a podcast where, where we discuss timely issues through the timelessness of God's Word. And this is a long-awaited cut up. Uh, a long-awaited viewer or listener request. Uh, yeah. Request question. There we go. Question. 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 What people ask when they want to know the answers. So anyway, I sent this off to Todd. I don't know. I guess it's been about a month ago, and he copied and pasted in his email. Said he wanted to chew on it some. I wanted to chew on it some. I've got an article written. I think, folks, that I have come up with the definitive answer on what is the proper church size. And just to be transparent, if you don't agree with my answer, well, I don't know if we can be in heaven oh, together because I'm right <laughs> because I've got the definitive answer. Todd, what's wrong? You don't, you look <laughs> incredulous. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting. I'm, you're t- he's chewing on it. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're waiting on the definitive answer. And I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm, I'm got, hoping I your answer's you. right because um, I kind of wanted to be in heaven together. <laughs> ain't I that hope the I truth. don't disagree. Uh, so, all jokes aside, I think that the the proper size of a congregation is when a congregation's size outgrows the leadership's ability. To put to work those who have the ability and desire to work, the congregation's gotten too big. And either we need to revamp and 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 strengthen the leadership to be commensurate with the size of the congregation, or maybe it's time to look at demographics and have a church plant and have a subset of that congregation go 15, 20 miles away and have a church plant. Now, is that the definitive answer? I, probably not. It's, it's, I think it's a good principle and probably something good to discuss because when I was thinking about this, it, it, I conceptualized it as a problem that's behind a perfect sphere and there was no voids or no crevices or cracks into which I could insert some proposition or principle against which to pry. So I just had to kind of think of something, and that, that's what I come up with. But then I've got a whole list of other stuff. But what do y'all think, just as we get you started? You would think if we're doing God's will and we're, we have, you know, I don't know, thinking about the word majority used in Second Corinthians, the punishment was sufficient given by the majority or something like that, you know, when they disciplined that fellow. I'd like to think that if the majority of the brethren were doing what they need to do, then the congregation would be the size that, quote unquote, God wants it to be. That it, you know, you plant the seed, it gives the increase, and you uh, reach, you, you, you teach the loss, you try to bring back erring members, and you withdraw when absolutely necessary after you've warned and begged and pleaded and followed Jesus's instructions. Well, it should be the size God wants it to be. I'm just thinking, though, a lot of times the congregation is not the size God wants it to be because we're not doing all those things. We don't have the majority doing what they need to do. We don't have, you know, outward reach, inward maintenance, you know, all those kinds of things. 
That's it. Good to see everybody, incidentally. Reginald Perry, Diana Harden, uh, equipping, equipping Expositors Ministry is uh, John Exum. And we have Facebook user says, I will give you the correct answer soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, John, of course, quit. They always gives us good dad jokes in the comment section. Uh, who else have I missed? Terry Crooks, Connie Barden. Good to Rusty see y'all. T- uh, one point. Rusty and Tammy, uh, Kirby were in. That's- okay, cool. Good to see them. I'm glad they're here. And then, uh, yeah, Rusty Kirby, good to see you. All right. Hopefully we've got everybody, and if we've missed you, it's not because we're mean. It's just because we're mistaken. We, we, miss, we miss notifications all the time. Todd, you've been chewing on this. What what are, what are some of the thoughts that you've come up with? I'm not a fan of big churches. Um, and this, of course, this is going to go letter that you sent, uh, that or the letter that was sent to you that you forwarded on to me. Um, um, but, you know, big is a relative term. You know, you know, it, in you know, in my part of Alabama, for church has got two hundred members, it's a big church. You know, whereas in, in other locations, it might not be considered a, a big church. Um, I think just from a just from a practical perspective, as you know, as one who serves as an elder, um, looking at the example of Jesus, he said, "I know my sheep, and I'm known by my sheep." And if a, con- if a congregation gets to the point that, that the elders don't know all the sheep, there's a problem um, size-wise or or could just be a problem with eldership, you know. And you could have 150 people and the elders not know everybody, you know. if, if So, you know, it, it doesn't really fall necessarily to size, but, uh, but you know, I— Man, I've, I've just never felt like I could be at home in a big church, you know, six, seven, eight hundred people. Uh, I, look, we've got, at Burleson, we've probably got about nine, if you counted every man, woman, and child that you might expect to see in any given Sunday, you know, and that includes non-Christian spouses and all children, you know, we've got about 90 or so people on our role or you know that we that we're trying to watch out for in some way yeah we've got four elders man and, and four elders with 90 people is man that's just about more than you can say grace over if you if you're you're doing yeah. it right and uh and i just don't man i just don't see our church with, with you know with th- with three times as many elders can oversee a, a congregation with 10 times as many members I, you know, how does that how does that work? You know, how, there are I, congregations that are smaller numerically than that that have that many elders or less elders, two and three over 100, 150, Listen, 200. Listen, I, I I grew up in a church that had three elders, and there was one. I, I know one year we averaged like four hundred and forty people every Sunday with three elders. Yeah. Um, well, I I think the I think the model, the biblical model is kind of cast aside sometimes for the worldly model of the elders being simply a board of directors that decides how money and where money is spent. And 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 it's it's ran the, the uh, Okay, so I'm going to say something. The church when I say profitable, I mean money and I mean 
The church has to be wise and a good steward of the blessings that God gives it. And one of those blessings is money. I think if, if a church is out here being nonchalant and not, not purposeful and being a poor steward of the money, then that's an issue. But I think so often we equate the bottom line in the checking account at the end of the year with success for that year. Yeah. As far as. And I can church. tell you that's not true here. Um, and. Well, I, I, I guarantee you, I'm speaking very generally. And, and I know that at Riverview, we don't view that. I know Todd at, at uh, Burleson, that's not that way. And um, from what I know of Washington Avenue, it's not that way there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that this, this, there, there may, there, there may be, if there is a congregation that we speak of that's like 150, 200 members, but only has two elders, and the elders are not known, they're not actual shepherding the flock, they're just businessmen who manage money, then I think some priorities are swapped upside down. And that down. wouldn't really have anything to do with congregation size as it would be, you know, the, the, you know, residing in the eldership. Um, yeah, it, man, there's just there's just so many factors that have to be that have to be considered with regard to with congregation size. I mean, if you I mean, you think about, all right, let's just say, uh, yeah, I, I know a congregation very familiar with congregation in in uh, in, in uh, North North Texas, you know, and they need to build. They need to build just they build an auditorium because the area where they are is just exploding. They need to build yeah. an auditorium, you know, and, and they're looking at a, you know, a congregation of hundred people. You know, they're looking at a million, million and a half dollars just to build a basic structure. Um, and if you want to start talking about planting churches in. Um, in urban areas, uh, or or outside of you know major metropolitan areas, like you're going to try to you know you're going to try to plant a church outside of Birmingham or Memphis or Nashville, and you, yeah. you know, you're talking about just just to have a, a basic structure in which to meet. You're talking talking you know you're talking six to ten million dollars. Yes. Quickly, quickly, quickly! You're talking six to ten you know, million. You and I, because you know we we're tied with you with your work, and and we've talked about the situation there, and and the the finance, you know, just it's just almost insurmountable the financial challenge. Um, you know, I remember not too long ago the the church at Pearl Harbor needed a building, and you know, and it was a small church. Man, they needed millions of dollars to. And I, I think the if I remember correctly, I think the brethren stepped up and helped those those brethren. And I'm glad they did. And you can't, yeah. you just can't depend on the brotherhood to 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 provide you a place to a place to meet. And, and I know a place to meet's not a necessity, but um, I mean it's helpful. Well. All the time with my cogitations podcast, people that have listened to me for any length of time, they know that my famous saying is we, there are should and should nots, then there is and is nots. It's very easy to talk about should and should nots, but if we don't ever deal with the is and is nots, we'll never get down to a solution of the problem, nor even identifying the problem. It should not be the case that a place to meet is that much important to the Lord's church. But the problem is 
let's deal with reality. In this day and age, if you do not have a quote-unquote church building, you in the community have lost a certain amount of credibility. And people are not going to come to to a location where they are uncomfortable. Now, I say that, and then there are people outside of the United States in third world countries, they're like, well, well, we meet when there's 12 inches of water on the floor in a monsoon, and we sit on bricks. That's great. That's, that should. That should be the case. But in the United States of America, our culture. in Western yeah. culture, yeah, if, if, if you don't have a, a, a building where people can come and worship, and it's comfortable, it's aesthetically pleasing, it's you're 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 gonna you're you're creating a barrier to the work of the Lord if you don't have that, or if you willingly don't have that. Now, if you don't have that and you can't get it, then you just still need to do the work of the Lord and and trust Him to provide. And, and it can be different in different parts, even of this country. The Southeast generally is quite a bit different than the Northeast or North Central or Northwest or Southwest or urban area or little country town. There may be little old country town down there. It's, as smaller, smaller in Hamilton that, you know, most of the members, they good to go. Tornado got hit with a, our building got hit with a tornado. That's all right. We got a barn. We got some fans. And I ain't making yeah. fun of them. I'm talking about for real. There's members that are like, we'll just go with the barn. We're on. And then yeah. probably people in that community, they can reach, they can baptize. They'll just assemble in the barn. Like you can, you can do different things. Right. Uh, but then there's other areas that yep. that just wouldn't, that wouldn't, you know, generally the more wouldn't urban hurt. areas that probably wouldn't go very well because of culture but well you know i pre- i preached a couple times for the church at reading which is outside of london and uh, that church meets in a public library and, and you know and they only and they only have that library for about two hours on on sunday morning you know they don't have sunday night service they don't have wednesday night service uh you know they've got they've got a public library for a specific amount of time and so there are, and, and in my prep for today, I, I got to thinking about that and, and some of the things that the Bible really has to say about churches meeting. Um, you know, and, and I've, I don't know if pushback is the right word, but, you know, the idea of, of losing credibility if you don't have a building. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure I buy into that in, in some ways because, you know, that's what we kept being sold by the Ghanaian brethren for years and years. We don't have a building, you know, you know, we can't grow if we don't have a building, you know, people. And, uh, yeah. and it's like, you know, we, you know, we weren't willing, we weren't willing to go, uh, you know, $100,000 in debt to build them a building when they could meet, you know, for free, you know, in a public school building. And, and yet, you know, we'll turn around and we'll turn around and not hold ourselves to the same standard over here. You, know, you yeah. can meet. You know, you can meet library. You can. I mean, there there are there are public spaces that are available for, you know, for for people to you know for people to meet. If, if the yeah. church outgrows it, then then they have decisions to make. Um, but uh, it's, um, I mean, it's a difficult question to think about. Uh, yeah, uh, I just. I don't know. I guess, I guess I've just I spent too much time in Africa to. Yeah. Well, let me let me wrinkle your brain in this way. So I'm going to stand beside. I'm going to stand behind what I said about the you lose a certain amount of credibility. But what I mean by that, let me flesh that out some more. 
like you said, if if you've got a congregation, let's say you've let's say you started meeting in a house and you're meeting with with your core group, the people you've made friends with, you've studied the Bible with, and now you're meeting with let's say you've got twenty people in your house, you can't hold them. Well, you're capped. Your congregation, and I say you're like you own it. The congregation meeting in your house is the the growth of that congregation is capped to what that space can hold. So you've got a decision to make. So then now let's go to the library. So we meet in the library. Now that can actually be a boom to your credit, like that act. But but you still have a place. You still have a, like like even in the first century when the Christians met on the first day of the week in the same synagogues that the Jews did the Saturday meeting in, you know, I I remember Tom Holland talking about doing a church plant in the somewhere in the Northwest. And he actually went to a seventh day Adventist group and said, look, you use your building on Saturday. Let us use it on Sunday. And of course that flew like a lead balloon, but that that's what I mean. I'm not saying that you'll lose credibility if you don't have a building with a steeple and a chandelier and pews and stuff like that. I mean, you'll lose credibility if you don't have like you're, if, if, if you've got a basement that holds 20 and your congregation is 18, it's going to be hard for you to get above that amount of people converted again, not should and should not, but is and is not like, I mean, it, should it be that way? Yeah. No. People should sit no. on the side of the bank when the ocean tsunami is coming on them and they're singing the praises of God. But but if we could move five miles yeah. inward where the tsunami wouldn't hit, more people would come to hear the word, you know, kind of thing. That may be a terrible yeah. illustration, but just. Well, and, and you're there, there's going to be some core people that would meet on the surface of the yeah. sun and risk yeah. being burned that that's not the people right. we're talking about. We're talking about the people on the fringe, the people aren't that aren't 100% bought in the people that we're trying to, to nurture and, and, and get them bought in. Um, and I, I, I like what some of our commenters have said. I've, I've got one. I think this is Ted Knight. I think he said, I think he identified himself earlier. Um, hold on a second. Let me get this. Uh, I have worked with small congregation and large ones. The effectiveness of the church is dependent upon the elders' use of the deacons, the elders' use of the deacons, teachers, and others to help them in tending the flock. I co-signed that 100%. If the elders just consider themselves to be a board of directors, the, the comment cuts short, but I can finish the ellipsis. It's not a good thing. you know. So I, I think we've established that. Uh, the I, So I guess a definitive answer on the proper church size is if a church gets too big that it, that it's unable to be led efficiently and scripturally by elders, then the church is too big. Now, what do you do with it? You know, do you, do you, do you shrink the church or do you, do you grow the leadership? And in our day and time, a lot of times members uh, are driving several miles to be a part of a congregation. So I guess in such a scenario where it outgrows the leadership or whatever you just said there, where the eldership can't effectively lead everybody, then 
maybe they could, uh, like you said, plan another congregation. You've got folks driving 30, 40 miles because of that. And they could have a group that meets where they are and start, you know, doing the work of the Lord in that area. Uh, the comment you made, uh, Todd, earlier about Reading, you know, that's interesting. I mean, like probably most congregations, including myself, I've never been in a situation where we rented a place and only used it for a couple hours on Sunday, didn't have a dedicated physical space. There could be a few negative things that come with that, but there could be several positive things that come with that too. Mm-hmm. Only negative in my mind because I'm so used to having a dedicated building and space. One thing that mm-hmm. church did consistently every single week was, uh, to use their phrase, they had tea and biscuits, which is yeah. hot tea and cookies. Mm-hmm. So yep. They took time. They took time every single Lord's Day to to have have a, a more casual fellowship with one another. Yeah. Because they knew that was probably the only time that week that they were going to get to see one another. You know, and, yeah. and and that was a man. You talk about a diverse group, man. About half the people there weren't even from from England. There were people from Mozambique, two or three different African nations. Um, there was a girl there that my wife went to school with at Freed Hardman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and she was married to Frenchman. Man, it was it was it was awesome. But, yeah, uh, you know they they really treasured and valued their time together um, every single week because they knew you know they knew that was you know that was that was their time. Yeah. So I'll tell you what we did at Riverview, uh, and and we have that eclectic group as well: uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, Jamaica, Mexico, United States, Canada, and there's another now. And incidentally, uh, some of our new converts, they've invited, like there, there's another, there's another woman coming and I don't know where she's from. I've talked to her, but I didn't say, Hey, what, what, what's your nation of origin? But, um, she's got a little girl. Anyway, my point is we changed from, uh, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, and then coming back at five thirty model on Sunday to we go, we start at 10 AM and we stop at anywhere between one o'clock to two o'clock in the afternoon, depending on when we get through. Mm-hmm. Ayo Kunle preaches uh, at the on the last Sunday of a month. We have fellowship, and um, you know he he might preach for an hour. My ser- my average sermon length I get it within about sixty to ninety seconds of forty five minutes every week. And and they don't care. They just they like that. And we between the classes, we've got coffee, we've got uh, snacks. Uh, the little kids uh, they take what's left of the Lord's Supper bread and they eat that for their snacks. They absolutely love it. You know, we we do we do all of our homemade. We do all of our Lord's Supper bread homemade. So you one know. of the temptations is it tastes real good. I guess. Ha ha. It does taste real good. <laughs> Not a temptation. <laughs> it does taste real good. But the the change there was a change in the dynamic of the congregation. And even though we're stacked in there like sardines, um, we're kind of there together. Uh, the kids run around during break time. Uh, we're able to fellowship with one another. Um, and yeah, so what would happen if somebody gave us $10 million and we built 
a 100 by 100 building tomorrow, what would we lose? You know, would we lose the intimacy? Some of it, the way it is right now, would be lost because it's not the exact same. Exactly. That's the thing. A lot of folks, they, they, they see something, they see something they think is substandard or, or suboptimal, and so they want to tear it down with no thought whatsoever of what would go I'm in I'm not its sure place. if I've ever heard someone say, I grew up in a very large congregation, 500 to 1,000 members. I absolutely love it. I felt completely connected. I felt like all the members really knew each other well, like in a small setting. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And they were being genuine. They're not joking. I, I don't know that I've ever heard. There's probably somebody, but I've never heard anybody say that. You know? Oh. Uh, yeah. It makes you wonder, you know, is have that the way it really is? It, it must be. Yeah. That's a good question. Have we forgotten how to fellowship? That's a, that's a real good mm-hmm. question. Uh, Connie Barden says, a nearby congregation met for a year or more in members' homes. They now have a small building they are able to rent and are growing. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stories and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm telling you, I'm I'm with Todd. I would prefer a smaller congregation. But I think what the Greenfield Church of Christ taught me is that it's not really a, a smaller congregation per se that I'm, I prefer. It's I prefer somewhere where I am useful. In other words, make me feel like you need me. Well, the Greenfield Church of Christ, if I remember correctly, whenever we moved from Hornbeak to uh, Greenfield, um, Luther Nesbitt led us around. Um, Brent Arnold's a preacher. I met several good people. I think they were around 150, 100 and... whatever 150 or so members that was a huge congregation to me like that was a big congregation and i never felt like i got lost in the crowd i felt like they immediately put me to work leading singing then lo and behold i was there a little bit and they said hey it's time to pick bible teachers you said you would be a bible teacher how about you teach the young men on sunday morning and i used robert r taylor's book about studies in the gospel of john I, and, and then, lo and behold, they're the ones that sent me to preaching school. So I don't know if they sent me to preaching school to get rid of me or they sent me to preaching school because they saw something in me. But regardless, it was all about they wanted to make sure that I was being used up to my fullest potential. I think that that congregation might be well served as being a 300-member congregation because of how 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 um fastidious might be the right word and that the elders are in being among the flock and knowing the flock and, and putting the flock to hey, use. Tony, I'd like to read Terry Crooks's comment and then ask Todd a question, put him on the spot. Ha ha. Moses' yeah. father-in-law Jethro advised him to delegate his work to others. When he saw Moses was trying to handle everything alone, the number of elders required for a congregation depends on its size. I want to, I want to, I want to ask Todd because Todd's got experience now of, not only preaching locally, but serving as a shepherd in the congregation. Like, what are some thoughts, you know, from the Bible and experience as far as how many elders does a congregation need? Like how that goes right along with the proper church size, I think. Like, how do you, what do you, yeah. when you're thinking about overseeing Bur- Burleson, right? That 
it's like, what, what's the main thing that comes to your mind? Like, do we have enough elders? And Well, you know, one, I, I think, I think a better example than, than Moses is actually in Acts six um, with the apostles and the situation with the Grecian widows. Um, you, you need, you need enough, you need enough elders to make sure that all the, that all the work, is being overseen. Not that not that the elders themselves are doing all the work because the apostles said, you know, it's not fit for us to to you know leave the word and, and wait on tables. Yeah. And so, you know, you need enough elders to make sure that, that the work that needs to be done is being done. Yeah. Um you know I mean it it would be diff it would be difficult at Burleson to to I think get everything done with with two elders, um, you know, we have four and we're already, you know, from the day, from the day that we were all appointed in, in May of 21, we started looking for our replacements, you know, even though three of us still in our fifties, um, we started looking for our replacements or at least guys to work with us in the future. We've got, you know, we've got our sights set on, you know, about three guys that we think will be elders in the next five years. I'm, you know, the Burleson Church, if we can keep growing, you know, we'll be a hundred, and we'll have, you know, we'll have six elders. You know, of course, you never know who the Lord's going to drop in your lap because when we, when we started this process, there was a family there that, uh, although it was a family that was not here, that is here now, um, and and we you know we think and we just appointed him as a as a deacon, and we think that he's certainly going to be elder material uh, at some point. We told him that. And so, you know, um, you know, our, 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 our goal is however many men can serve as elders need to serve as elders and however many men can serve as deacons need to serve as deacons. And we don't, you know, we don't have a cap on that. So we're four elders, you know, right now we're four elders and five deacons. Uh, I anticipate, um, say in the next three to three to five years, that will be, you know, that will probably be six elders and, you know, seven or eight deacons. You know, even after these guys that we have as deacons are, you know, graduated to elders, you know. Um, but we still, we've got, we've got more than a handful of guys right now that we're trying to, 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 to make into deacons. And so um, the number's hard to say. You know, it's always, you know, if you're going to dig a ditch, the more people you have with a shovel, the easier it's going to be. And, um, you know, if you're going to serve as an elder, you know, the, the more elders you can have, the the easier it's going to be. The, and the more guys that you have serving as deacons, the easier it's going to be. Um, and yeah. so that's always been our approach. Um, and, and yeah. you know, we're doing more now as a congregation than we've ever done, you know, you know, a year or two ago, it would have been unthinkable for we would have had a, a deacon dedicated solely to lads to leaders. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. or, or uh, you know, you know, we got we got two different guys serving in two different areas of our youth, and yeah. so you know, so the answer is however many guys it takes to get the work done uh, in, in yeah. an efficient, you know, in an efficient way. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just my perspective as a guy that's been at the same church for 28 years and, um, you know, and, you know, has served as an elder for about two and a half of those of those years. 
Yeah, you know, man. I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to tell you other than that. You can't, you can't put your, you, know, you yeah. can't put your finger on a on a number. Uh, yeah. But you know, but, but we're trying, we're trying to get more. You know, we got four elders. We want more. We got five deacons. We want more. Yeah, on your uh, illustration about the ditch, you know, if 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 you had ten people to dig it, and you got done ten times faster, or whatever, you're like, great. That's so much better than just one. But yeah. if you have 20 and 10 are just sitting there and 10 are working well, then it appears you don't need the extra 10. So right. I guess just kind of, you know, like you said, as well, per the needs of the congregation. It goes back to the qualifications for deacons as well, is that is that you know the guys that we want to serve in the future as deacons are guys that we are putting, to, we're putting them to work now. Because one of the qualifications is let these first also be proved, then let them serve as a deacon. Yeah, we're giving these guys work to do now. You know, whether yeah. whether it be you know teaching Bible class or, or or chaperoning youth activities or presenting the Wednesday night devotional. Um, you know, they're you know we're putting these guys to work. You know, and and, and let me just. I, this might be a little bit off topic. I, I don't think it is, but when we determined to when we determined to start adding deacons, we called every single every single man on the roll at Burleson who was married and had kids, regardless of their qualifications going for any you know because those are two pretty important ones. You know those are not two that you're going to solve in a year, right? So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so we called every male. We called every male member married with children and we inquired to every single one of them are you interested in serving as a deacon so we're not asking if you want to serve right now we're asking if you are interested in serving in the future and and if, and if you're interested in serving in the future we want you to know we you will serve as a deacon provided you meet the qualifications but we want you to know we want you to serve and we'll help you develop yourself to serve but now the onus is on you you know, are you are you willing to you know, as, as Nehemiah said, are you willing to you know put your neck and shoulder to the work and, and prove yourself? Because if you are, we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll appoint you. They're, they're, the only thing the only thing you back from serving as a deacon is you. And uh, and when we did that, man, we had we had two or three guys that man, it was just like lighting a fire under them because. Yeah, you know, I preach on those things, and I I know the guys are thinking, well, he's not talking to me, or he's talking to so and so that's maybe teaching a model class, or he's talking to so and so that's, you know, had a, had the youth devo at his house, and we want to know, no, no, I'm talking to you. If you want to serve, the only thing that's holding you back from serving is you. Yeah. And uh, man, it was just like lighting a fire in some of those guys, and man, it's just been a blessing to watch them. Man, they in the last yeah. year just to watch them grow, yeah. uh, take on responsibility. Um, you know, leadership in the worship, leadership in the in the the, the work in various ways, and um, man, it's just, it's just it's just an awesome thing to see as an elder and watch these guys grow. Man, it's just like it's like man, they get it. Amen. I need to come down there and check that out, man. That sounds encouraging. Three next three to five years and all this kind of stuff. I need to come check it out. Yeah, okay. it's exciting. Uh, so before you we preach here. Do what? I'll just retire and let you preach here. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, don't tempt him. <laughs> now you got too Ted much Knight going on. Says, I know that I am. 
Ted Knight says, I know that I am wrong, but I'm almost anti-building. We focus more on our building and spend more money on that than any other thing. I know that we must have buildings, but we need to go out or get out of them and reach for the lost. Yes, I'm 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 in agreement with that. And I want to get this by Connie. Um, oops, that covers Todd up. Let me just good, read that's it here. A good look right there. <laughs> there you go. I think that sometimes too much money is spent on the buildings. We don't need a big, fancy, high cathedral ceiling and fancy pews. We need a comfortable building with some room for classrooms and maybe a room big enough for potluck. Yeah, I, it, look, whenever whenever I was first married to LaBeth, incidentally, December 11th, if I got married in December 11th, 99, is it my 24th or 25th wedding anniversary Fourth. coming up? 24th. So it's a 24th wedding anniversary coming up. Um. Anyway, why did I say that? Yeah, whenever I was first married, I was building pole barns with my uncle. And in... 1999, you could put up a 30 by 50 with 10 foot walls uh, with a window and a three foot walk door and a 12 foot sliding door, a 412 pitch, galvanized metal for six six thousand uh, $6,499. Now, I dare say that'd be much more expensive today, but even if it's double, let's, let's say you could put up a 30 by 50 with 10 foot walls for 20 grand figure about 10 grand for your concrete and plumbing. And I mean, for, for around 70 grand, you could have a 30 by 50 with 10 foot walls, heated, cooled, insulated, plumbed with bathroom. And that's, that's 1500 square feet. A lot of people can sit in folding chairs and listen to a man preach and sing songs and partake of the Lord's Supper in that building. A lot of people. And I'm thinking that probably as the years go by, and I don't mean many years, that's probably what's going to happen is we're going to draw on this boy's experience and we're we're going to we're going to thinking about doing that here at Riverview because and we're going to use what we're meeting in now for the classrooms and stuff like that. But you don't need those big fancy buildings. You could build something just like what I'm talking about, and and we have within our budget and our grasp now the ability to do something like that. So you can, if if you're willing to settle down and and not get so fancy, you can you can build a a place that you can utilize that ticks all of the boxes. <laughs> I don't deviate down that too much, but yeah, I agree. I could say something that would split the well, church wide open. Uh, all right, here we it. go. That's here what we the show's go. for. Yeah, right. That's what people probably think our show's for. They're just trying to split the church, uh, trying to impart some wisdom that I think is worthwhile here. Uh, elders and otherwise ought to at least listen to what some of the women folk think about building a building. I've been in buildings, umpteen buildings. It looked like no woman had a, a word of input in it because it's the most awkward place I've ever been. Women tend women tend to <laughs> yeah. have some, you know, good insight in this stuff. And if we if I think as we as teachers of God's word can help elders also understand 
that they can listen yeah. to input from women and then the elders can huddle and make the best decision for the congregation. That's not, that's not ladies women leading the church. <laughs> you know? yeah. But buildings, yeah. I mean, make them practical and useful and accessible. And, you know, there's just so many things you want it to be very, very usable and convenient. Doesn't doesn't need to be elaborate well, a, a, like the comment was made. A, a woman can take a 30 by 50 pole barn that's finished on the inside and she can doll it up and make it one of the most inviting. Yeah. A woman turns a house into a woman. A woman turns a house yeah. into a home. You know, you've seen the meme running around Facebook with the with the apartment building. It's bare walls. It's a 72 inch plasma TV, a PlayStation five and a folding chair. And like it's men, men be making 150,000 a year and live like yeah. this. Todd, you got cut off. You got something weird going on on your audio, but you ain't nothing you can do about it. It's a it's a noise gate or something that's that restream slapped on you because you're on a mobile wow. device. But you did get cut off there, and usually it would let you come through. Do you remember what you said? Oh, I didn't say anything. I'll just I'll just laugh. Ah, got you. Well, I couldn't tell, and like I said, it, it it's a weird noise gate. All right, let let's incidentally, John Exum's got some good questions. Um. How do, can preachers help the elders in the congregation in their work or facilitate the work? And I mean, Todd, you've been on both sides of it. I, I'll give my two cents. Um, I, I, I've, I think that more preachers need to be elders. I, I think I, I just do. Um, and that's about all I got to say about that. If, if you have your preacher, if he's there long enough to, 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 to be known among the congregation, uh, to meet all the criteria, the prerequisites placed on him by the scriptures, I really think you should look at that man being an elder as well. Um, he has an important job, but that's, that's, a, that's an opinion. But, Todd, you've been on both sides of it. Aaron, you can, you can, you can chime ahead, in. What, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, a good way preachers can help the elders and the congregation in the work. Ah. No, I, I called you, Todd. I said, you go, go ahead. What you got? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's, uh, I think for the most part, it's been a good thing for the Burleson church for me to serve, but not just because it was me, but because of the, the group that was appointed all at the same time. Um, I'll just tell you, it's not for everybody. Um, listen, man, I know some great, my, I know some great preachers that have never, as far as I know, never desired, you know, Vance Hutton's been the preacher at Double Springs for about 38 years. There ain't nobody in this part of the world got, that, that is held in higher regard than, than Vance Hutton. And as far as I know, I don't think Vance has ever had a desire to serve uh, as an elder, uh, Andy Kaiser, another guy in our area, preaches up north of Florence at Zip City at Salem, um, almost 20 years at Ninth Avenue. Uh, I don't think Andy's ever had a desire to serve uh, as an elder. You know, Mark. The joke, the joke that I've made recently is that Mark Posey uh, took the pulpit at Winfield after James Wires was there for about 40 years, and James had served as a still serves as an elder, but served as an elder for a long time when he was the preacher. And I think it served the church well. And 
And the joke that I made was Mark, Mark had been the preacher there for about two weeks and they made him an elder, mm-hmm. and, uh, which obviously it wasn't two weeks, but, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't 26 years, you know, like it was for me, but, you know, <laughs> Mark, right. you know, Mark has, you know, had a long, had a long tenure out at Austinville. Um, certainly got the temperament for it. Um, you know, he's a, in a lot of ways, he's a lot like James, and so those guys are going to work well together. Uh, you know, you know, but you know, but Mark, you know, Mark rolled right in, and 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 was appointed as an elder in very in a very short period of time. And I'm not saying that critically. I'm just saying it that that it's not for everybody. Um, um, speaking from experience, man, it's hard to wear two hats. Um, I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's a danger, especially when a guy's been a place as long as I have. That even you know, even before I became an elder, a lot of the elders' work fell on me. Um, you know, all the, you know, all the calls, all the questions, everything fell on me. And now that I'm an elder, it's like. Now I don't have an excuse to send somebody somewhere else. It's like <laughs> I don't get to say anymore, "Hey, I'm not an elder." That's a, that's a question you need to you know you need to call one of the elders. And and so now I don't have that as an excuse anymore. Um, but um, it's uh, I'll just tell you, man. Even um, uh, I've lost, man. I can't. I can't tell you how much sleep I've lost since I became since I became an elder. Uh, you know, a lot more than even just when I was a preacher, and it, and it doesn't have anything to do with how much I, you know, love the church. But I, I think I probably love the church more now than I did even two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's just. Um, it's just not, you know. I know a lot of guys that serve as preachers, and elders, and and I and I know a lot of great guys that have have had no desire. And, um, like I said, it ain't for everybody. So, I, I, you know, you, you you know, you know, if a man desires the office, he desires a good work. A lot of good guys don't desire it. And uh, well, you know, I've done a deep dive of that phrase, and that. Greek term is in the etymological history of origami, the English word origami. I don't know origami is a Japanese art of paper folding. I'm not just trust me. It, it's they're they're in the same family. And looking at that word, we use the word desire. Like, well, my coffee is almost empty. And when it's gone, I'm going to desire more, meaning I would like to have more. It's a desire. In this context, Paul's not saying if a man desires the work of a bishop, he he desires good work. It <laughs> carries with it the nuance, the idea of I have a goal in mind, and I know that I need to make certain changes and I need to stretch forth and reach toward that goal in order to be able to grasp that goal or achieve that goal. The idea is that every man in the Lord's church should be, should see this high standard 
and change themselves into it. Now, whether they accept the role or not, it's a different story. There might not be a need. They might be at a congregation that is blessed with a multiplicity of, of men who are qualified otherwise to serve. But I think, for lack of a better way of explaining it, I think we let people off the hook a lot of times because we say, well, you know, if you don't want to do it, then then you've already missed the first prerequisite for I don't being think an that's elder. The first qualification, like a lot of people say that it is. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to shoehorn a man in the office that absolutely right. doesn't want it. Right. But but that that idea. What if you end we, up with a group of people and and all the men? You got fifty men. That, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Fifty no's. I don't want it. I don't desire it. It's like, well, what do you yeah. do? Do you do you then say, well, well wait a minute, the whole get John D. Wait a minute, to come the Holy there. Spirit says that the church is lacking, is destitute when it doesn't have this. Titus one five. So at least two of you's got to step up. We got to start this. Like, right. You can't just. Well, I don't desire it. I missed the first qualification. I don't desire it again. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm looking at. I, I'm looking down. I, I'm looking at a couple of commentaries and looking at some like. Uh, like some of the words that are that like uh, like Tony said, and yeah, he is right about origami. By the way, I've never heard I've never heard that illustration, but it is it is correct. Um, but uh, you know when we um, when we um, you know we lost our eldership in 2021 uh, for a while, and you know two of our you know really two of our deacons needed to step up and serve as elders. They needed to. And uh, and one of them, you know, one of them's my best best friend I got in this world, and um, one of my you know best friends, family, spending time outside of the church, eat together, run together, travel together, vacation together, and uh, and I kept talking to him, and he just kept saying, "I don't make the first qualification. I don't desire." And and yeah. and uh, and um, and I was not a part. And I was never a part of. Meetings that took place when we lost our eldership. I taught on it, taught classes, preached on it, took Sunday night live time. You know, offered up a lot of solutions, potential solutions for for the church. But uh, but one of our younger deacons, man, man, he just put the I don't know how to say he put the hard sell on two of those guys, and uh, it's like. In a way, and this sounds bad, but but in a way, you know, he kind of shamed her. Uh, I and, think it's good. And, and what I mean by that is, he's like, you know, this church needs elders, and you guys are qualified. And if you're qualified, you need to serve. And um, and young Amen. guy, man, he put it on him. Like, look, and I'm only getting this secondhand because, I, like I said, I was I didn't sit in any of the meetings with regard to appointing elders, not one, because I didn't I didn't want people to think that, you know, that I was that I was running those meetings, and uh, and uh, man, he put it on him, and uh, and finally, finally, you know, ask one of them. Well, actually, one of them asked the other one, said, you know, and he didn't want it either. He said, "Well, what's it going to take for you to serve?" And he said, "If you'll serve." And he said, "Okay." And then the matter was handled. It was done. You know, and, you know. So we went from you know we went in one meeting from having zero elders to they they called me in that night and said, "Here's here, here's the conclusion: four elders." You know, but you know, I had two I had two guys that they didn't 
you know, they didn't aspire to be elders. And that's what that's what the word there is. If a man aspires to be elder. Yeah, he, he's got a goal in mind. He's grooming himself and being groomed so, by others. Yeah, so could we say it means that? You know, if a man is grooming himself for the position of an overseer, he's yeah. desiring a good work. Yeah, and and those guys, those guys have been preparing <laughs> themselves for years. They just didn't know it. <laughs> yep. I mean, and so so this idea, you know, this idea that um, that a man can't serve unless he absolutely desires it is just not. It's not what the Bible teaches in that verse. No, you do it out of a sense of duty. Yeah, if you can, you should. Yeah, that's if you can, you should that. I believe if if yeah that that's that's the that's the thrust of that word that Paul uses. Yeah, or I mean, my. if you can, you who, should. Who wants to go? The, who wants to go? To the judge qualified to serve as an elder or deacon, and and tell and, and give some sorry lame excuse to the Lord as to why you didn't serve. Well, I didn't. Desire. Uh, some sometimes when someone says or thinks I don't desire it. It's coupled with a misunderstanding of the work of an elder or an oh, eldership. Aaron. I don't desire. It's too hard. It's too too much responsibility. It's too. And I'm just going to throw something. I guess you know, get it off my chest. I'm back to the question that John asked. You know, how can teachers and preachers help? You know, elders and the congregation facilitate the work. I'm thinking. You know, obviously the main thing of a teacher, an evangelist, is to instruct, you know, to pay attention to himself, to walk right in the sight of God, and to teach other people the word, those that will hear you. So it's like that's a challenging thing for some people, for like some evangelists. But his job is to also instruct the elders. So he has to do that with patience and tenderness and humility, but also seriously and soberly. Like, guys, this is on y'all. Like, y'all got to take this up. Like people are coming to me. This is y'all. It's not because I don't want to help. It's y'all are the shepherds, not me. I'm the evangelist. Y'all can do it. Y'all know the Bible. They love, you know, and I've had similar talks to my elders here, like just not because they were doing anything just outright wrong, but just like trying to encourage them. Like the people here love y'all. They respect y'all. Uh, and I've told them before, like, use that. Cause I not because they're doing a terrible job, but because I think that's part of my job. That's yeah. part of my job is to teach them and move them. Like, y'all can do this. Y'all know the Bible. You're qualified. The people love you. Use that. Use that uh, influence. That influence goes a long way. And I made the comment about sometimes people think it's too hard. Every work when it has its challenges is hard, you know, including teaching, preaching, Bible classes, parenting, and same way with elder work. But, like, at least elders have the eldership. They That's have right. each other. That's it's and, not, not you. It's, exactly, it's a group. Exactly. Exactly. In my judgment, it's probably the case that a lot of elders individually don't lay hold of that like they could and like they should. Like you've got each other. an evangelist is like kind of by himself, kind of. Island man, he's kind of he's like this weirdo that's like bubbling. He's babbling the Bible all the time, like, and he has to find somebody in the congregation well, that understands him at least that much. Like, <laughs> the the evangelist's job is to take heed unto himself and under the doctrine. 
the elder's job is to take heed unto themselves flock. and unto that's the flock. Right. And that's I, I've I've one of one of our teachers, Aaron. He I don't know if he come up with this or he's heard somebody smarter than him say it. One of the issues with church organization with with congregational organization is you have preachers that do the job of elders elders do the job of deacons deacons don't know what to do because nobody's ever told them and the members are scattered because they have no actual yep. leadership yep and and when you get to a situation like that your congregation is too big and i don't think it's i don't think it's the congregation that's too big it's the leadership is too small so or so we've talked to we've, the task. you've mentioned it multiple times so does the eldership need to grow maybe in knowledge but also in number they need more elders to add you know yeah to handle the work i i just shared todd i put I'm it just oh, go say, ahead. a lot of our brethren make it too hard to serve as an elder and they yes you know their their idea of blameless or you know you know they're they're first of all i think they don't understand some of the actual qualifications themselves yep. and, and they make it you know, and a lot of and a lot of guys, a lot of guys won't uh, won't serve because they're gonna they're gonna take the most strictest view of every single thing, even if it's not correct, and they say, "But I'm not qualified." Yeah, I'm not qualified, and and the people will. Mm -hmm. I just say, man, a lot of our anti brethren don't have elders because they might they don't want elders, and they're gonna make the qualifications right. so yeah. impossibly difficult so as to as to as to do an end around on ever having out they're never going to have elders because because they're going to make the qualifications so difficult and they, and they do that intentionally yep. you know, but i think some of our brethren unintentionally make it too difficult because they haven't studied it um yeah you know, you know, you know i think some of our people think they studied they think they studied the qualifications they've studied two qualifications <laughs> Husband of one wife, and, and yeah, not even children. got it right, <laughs> and they're wrong on the second one. So, I don't believe an elder has to have children that have been baptized into Christ in order to be an elder. They, they, that's exactly right. That that text doesn't teach that in any shape, form, or fashion. I I, I believe right now I am qualified to be an elder. No, never mind. I have both of my children are baptized. <laughs> I believe into that too, Tony, but I think you're on the wrong track. <laughs> I am. Strike that. Reverse it. Forget I said it. Right. Edit it out. This hey, this was set. I, I was thinking about. I was thinking about somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys see the same thing that I see, but you, you see that dude in that funky shirt that I'm pointing at right there. Aaron, Aaron, Jay, right there. I qualified. Yeah. yeah, he's qualified to be an elder. Qualified. More so than many men that I know who are currently serving as an elder. Yeah, the believing children argument has been. Ah, dude, don't get me started. We've already been at this hour. We need an episode on that. I'm serious. I'd, I'd oh, like no. to. If you want, if you want, if you want to do an, a, a, another episode on the qualifications for elders and some of and some of the, for lack of a better term, the more sticky ones, call me. You want to go? I want to go. Call because I, I think that the people up here in Riverview need it. And then the reason I used me is because I, I default to me so much that I think I come across as a little bit self-absorbed.
But the only reason I do it, folks, is because I know that I can't make me so mad at me that I'll never talk to myself again. <laughs> yeah. So next Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> you want to do next Tuesday? Next Tuesday. Hang on. Hang on. We can wrap the gavel. Tuesday, I'm gone. Hang on. Let me check. Oh, no. You got to be there. And I think I'll be here. I think I can. I'll double check. I, we're 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 going to we're coming to Sweet Home Alabama Wednesday. Go see my folks. So, all right. So you can do next Tuesday. I think I can. Let me double check with the boss. That would be Molly. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. So so the, Connie the, Connie. I'm I'm gonna you you were, you were such a long time friend of the show. And you've been with us through thick and thin. So I'm going to put you on blast, but in the most loving way, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about next week. You know, yes, you do. Cause so I said, I do not believe for one instance, for one minute that in order to be an elder, you have to have children who are baptized into Christ. And of course, Connie said, yes, you do. Because it says believing children. Well, we'll talk about that next week. I'll do what Todd? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to hear uh, both of you. I'd like to. Do you do you still have? Uh, hold on, just a second, Aaron. Do you still have that little Behringer microphone that you use for your Mevo <laughs> and stuff? Do you have a way to plug that thing into the iPhone? That may help you. All right. Because I think some of what you're saying is getting cut out because of the fact that you're on an iphone it just sounds it, it doesn't sound bad it's good enough and and if this is all we've got for next week it's adequate Look, I, promise. I told you i only I only use the iphone because that asus laptop i have sounds like a 747 taking off <laughs> gotcha. and, but i could uh i can plug you know i've got a i've got a headset kind of like aaron's got i've got a headset that's got a built-in mic i don't mind wearing it i, I just thought this would be the easiest way for me to do it but Definitely. And it worked. I mean, it, no complaints whatsoever. I, I just, I, I, yeah, that I hate, I hate drawing so much attention to it because it's not that big a deal. But if, if there was a way that you could have like an external we'll just, we'll mic, just off, we'll just run off the laptop, but that, that Behringer, that Behringer mic is, you know, is a USB and, and I, don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can put it on a lightning adapter and put it plug it into my phone. I don't I don't know. Totally understand. Well, ne next week we'll go off your laptop, and if your laptop the fan cuts on, trust could, me, it'll be could, fine. Uh, the 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 fact that you have a, a, an external yeah, microphone we get on here, make up for we that. We get on here, but you know, before we go live too, you can test it out or something. If you okay. Want to. All right. Yeah. All right. So I've I've been trying with to no avail. I cannot find where I wrote the articles on Substack. I want to share the links, but I just dropped them in Todd Clippard's uh, Apple messages, a PDF with both articles, where I talk about a religiously and spiritually codependent congregation. And uh, there, there's two articles. There's one, Heeding the Call, about he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The phrase, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, when I really meditated on that, and figured out, oh, this is what Jesus is saying. It absolutely changed my approach to ministry. And I wrote an article about it, and I, and I explained why. And LaBeth, whenever she read it to make sure I had everything, my dots, my I's dotted, my T's crossed, she said, what you have done is you have written an article that if people followed it, it would keep 
it would keep a congregation from becoming a religiously and spiritually codependent congregation, which is very unhealthy. And so then I wrote an article explaining that just a little bit. So Todd, both of those are in your, so I'd love for you to look at them, but I wanted to, I wanted to share it. On, I really like the, he that has ear to ear, he that has ears to hear article. I like that. It's good. Yeah. And it, 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 it resonated a lot with, with the, with the audience. And we've put out so many articles and I can't remember how I tagged it. So I can't find it. And if I wasn't, if I wasn't looking for it on a live stream, I just, it'd be, oh, it'd be right there. Yeah. Um, uh, Ted Knight says, am I reading that comment right? That to be qualified to be a preacher, you must, oh, that you must be tech savvy. I don't know who, whose I, comment that you're, that yes, you're reading, but. Uh, surely, surely they're being right humorous. Yeah, right here. Hey, hey, Alabama. To be qualified to be a preacher, you must be you tech have to be able savvy. To use PowerPoint in your sermons, because if you don't, you're not going to be effective. That's all. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yes. And they spent um, hours on that. Yeah, PowerPoint. she was kidding. Folks were kidding, obviously. Um. Yeah. I listen. I, I know. I, I know some of my brethren who preach a gospel that they couldn't preach if the power went out, which is ironic because the PowerPoints anyway. Um, so listen, I, we, we're not going to get to the article that I wrote about the church size. I'll just release it on Substack and y'all get it tomorrow morning. But um, it seems like what we have discussed here, that it's not the size of the congregation. It's the quality of the leadership. The, the only thing that really caps the size of a congregation is the ability for its leadership to, to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Cool beans. All right. <laughs> Jonathan Exum with his dad jokes. It, you know where you can go have ears, but they can't hear you. No response. The corn. There, there's a lot of comments. Like I would like to just, you know, keep going, but I mean, what? Yeah. Well, I, I hate, I hate to hold Todd up that it's long. Just, yeah. Practical stuff, too. I mean, like John's comment, I'd like to be an elder one day. I'm only 27, but if I have the opportunity, you know, and I hope that uh, he gets that opportunity one day, that there's not members that try to squash yeah. that. And and we just, elder, current elders and current teachers and preachers need to be encouraging young men. Like, it's like, you you can do it. You can reach it. You, yeah. Um, we got a guy in the comment section is Michael, and I really appreciate his comment. Um, Todd will cover All you right. up a little bit. Those of the true church live for God and things eternal and not for their own cares or lust. Many who call themselves a Christian live for themselves and not for God. They're not true Christians. I, I can co-sign that, but what I cannot co-sign Michael is this, the epistle to Barnabas, Clement, Ignatius, Polycarp, Hermas, and much more. I don't know from where that comes. I know I'm familiar with those works, but uh, they are not canonical for sure. Um, I'm sure that, well, I mean, at least in the, uh, oh, hold on, wrong. Where'd no. we go? I know at least in the, uh, from Ignatius Polycarp, the Shepherd of Hermas uh, is a really good document, uh, the, the letter from the Shepherd of Hermas. In fact, um, when, when you when you study the patriarch, the, the, the church father, so-called, and you look at how many times in the patristic writings the Holy Spirit is mentioned, 
you can't come away from anything other that the whole, that they believed at the time that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit was done through the Word. And when you read the Shepherd of Hermas, it's very interesting, but without that context, the Shepherd of Hermas comes off as an absolute nut. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his thoughts there were on uh, those particular writings. Was he saying that those are canonical books or that they're helpful to study? I, I, don't, I, have, I don't know. There wasn't I much... Have, I have no clue. Yeah, might, I just wanted wanna, to, Michael, if you want to add I, more. I just wanted to, to talk about it just a little bit so folks would, would understand. And uh, uh, John Exum says, Headed to the Office by Glenn Colley is a good book. I've never um, read it, but I've wanted to. Now, you know, it's one of those deals, but I've heard it's helpful. Hey, hey, Alabama says, We had an elder once that was 35. He was a good one, too. Yeah, I, I, we've got a guy here at Riverview who him and his wife are both, they would be very good, an elder and an elder's wife. And he just doesn't have, his children aren't old enough to have obeyed the gospel yet. So I don't know what I need to do about that. I don't know how much I, if I need to broach that subject and do a little teaching on it or if I just need to let it, let matter, it lie. Hey, listen, man, that's still a matter of conscience. I would never encourage a guy to serve if if, if it would violate. Yeah, you know, if if he, you know, if he came if he came to the conclusion that that he could serve, you know, just by the basis of study, uh, obviously yeah. that's a good thing. But I w- I wouldn't want a guy to I wouldn't want a guy to ever violate his conscience if. Uh, well. Yeah. With 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 this situation up here, it wouldn't be him. It would be the church right. as a whole. I mean, you know, because if the church as a whole was was dead set against it, you That's cannot right. make that oh. man an elder. And 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 so that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know. I mean we we've been we've been through so much in the last. Well, we haven't really been through so much in the last two years, but we went through a huge tumultuous ordeal two years ago. And we're building back from now. We're in a healthy place. We're not. We're not religiously or spiritually codependent. And now we just we're sticky. People come to see us and they stay. And I don't really want to rock that boat yep. just yet. <laughs> Pour a little cement on the foundation. Todd, what age should elders be? Well, I mean, he, he need again. This is this look. You know. At thirty, you know, at thirty-five, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mentally, you know, you know, people are different, man. You know, um, you know, I know guys, I, you know, to use the term, you know, old soul. You know, you know, guys that have an old, maybe yeah. in their thirties, but if you were to talk to them and you didn't know, you might think they were in their fifties or their sixties. You know, and, and I'm just going to tell you, man, when I was thirty-five, I was not an old soul. You know, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't fit to serve at thirty-five, and and just to be honest, probably not fit to serve at forty-five. Um, you know, some, you know, maybe for me yeah. personally, you know, but I know, you know, like I said I know guys, you know, I know guys that are old souls that you know could be in their, you know, could be in their late thirties, um, you know, mid late thirties, and you know, guys that um, obviously you know have a long-standing history with the church. A good Bible student, 
um, good families uh, you know, that, that could that that could do that work in their in their mid to late thirties. I mean, you think, I mean, I I was a father at twenty four, something like that. Twenty three, twenty three. I guess my daughter. I was I wasn't hardly twenty four yet. You know, so guy becomes yeah. a father, say like I did at twenty three. You know, when he's thirty six, is you know his kid's teenager, and uh, you've got yeah. track and you've got and you've got a track record of. Yeah, you get a track record of 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 uh, or a pattern of you know maintaining your household. You know, by the time you're in your late thirties, and uh, and and I certainly wouldn't have been a knob. You know, let's just say if I was an old soul and I had a kid. You know, I'm thirty eight and I've got you know so I'm thirty eight and I've got t- two teenagers at age thirty eight and I'm an old soul and I've got a long standing history with the church and you know as a good Bible student, you know I'm qualified. You know, all the all of the things being considered. Um, um, but you know, but you know, a lot of, a lot of us were not old souls. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it also depends culturally. I mean, I've, I watch uh, Tim cast IRL and Tim pool always talks about this video that he watched of these kids, um, back in the 1940s in England being interviewed about the going ons of world war two. And he said, you could close your eyes and the, 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 the words come out of these kids mouth and how they were articulating these ideas and communicating. They sounded like, you know, people today in their thirties and forties. And it's, it's because of the life they led, you know, they'd been working, they'd been dealing with adults their whole life. And it wasn't like, like the craziest thing that I've ever heard whenever we decided to homeschool our children is well you, you don't you know that you have to socialize your children and they held up the public school system as the standard of socialization. Yeah. I mean, no, that's that's antisocial. That's that's putting that's that's dividing off into cliques where you only where you only uh have interactions with people like you. You want to socialize like if you socialize a dog like a puppy, you put him in in different situations with interacting with it different went things. In hell. So if you when and how did the government-operated schools become the norm for socialization? Like when you put it that way, it's like, like, like I don't shouldn't evidently be. like somewhere between eighty-five and ninety-two. But yeah. anyway, my point being is the 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 maturity of children. Well, my mother married my father. My dad was seventeen. My mother was fifteen. I could not imagine the 15 year old girls I know now marrying and then just less than a year later having children. Yeah. They're not mature enough, but then you may get some that are, and that's the, that's the children that that's what, again, they, they turn 18, they get married and they are married for 60 years to their spouse. So yeah, the, the age of an elder is, He's he needs to be old enough to have some maturity. He can't be a novice. What age is that? Well, in 1940, it was probably a whole lot younger than it is in 2020. Sometimes children are wise beyond their years, and we don't see it because they're children. They're good teachers, if you'll listen. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, nursing infants. I read that in a book That's somewhere. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Melissa Price, good to see you. Um, all right, or, or Missy, Melissa, uh-oh. Anyway, Facebook user, Melissa, good to see you. All right, Todd, do you have any yeah, closing the thoughts? proper size church? That's the <laughs> proper church size. That was the original. Fools rush in where angels fear tread. I am not rushing in. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that the truth? You know, you ain't got, and I'm not, I, the, look, the listener that brought this question, it comes from a good I, I place. I saw the letter. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, in, in the, oh, see, that, that's where this funky sound did something. Say what you I said, said Todd. It, it came from a good place. He was not, it was not a contentious letter. No. In fact, he even said, I know that this is an issue of judgment or scruple. Yeah. He prefers a small church as yeah. well. Hey, can we say that? I don't want a, a whole new can, but just a quick answer. Todd, Tony, like, is it bad or wrong? As long as I'm following God's word, I prefer to be around a smaller or a medium size. I mean, I think that can get, it could get selfish, like, not focusing on the work, but yeah. let's say you're really focused on the work and you could work hard and here's a congregation, of 800 folks. And there's another one that's got 130. And you're like, I just, I, I can, I can know my brethren better with there's 130. Like, mm. is that bad for me to want to be with the 130 group? I'm not knocking the 800 group. They're practicing sound doctrine. Right. I don't think any preference that yeah. you have, as long as to uh, carry out that preference, you uh, are not committing yeah. sin. I think any preference that you have is fine. I always grew you up know. in smaller congregations. It would be very weird to be in a very big one. It would take a lot. Yeah, I will. I will end with a note of praise for a very large congregation, and I haven't. I haven't talked to anybody from there in several years. But it's the, I believe it's called the West End or something, Church of Christ in Knoxville. And they're right on the highway. They get all kinds of visitors. They have a good program. Uh, they still, they have a thing in the, in the auditorium for the members that you pick out your name tag and you wear a name tag. And every, every month or every week, rather, they were having a meet the shepherds and every week on rotation, there was two of their shepherds that would come on a weekday night, but not Wednesday. And they would have coffee and, and some treats in the fellowship hall. And that's when you would come and you would meet the shepherds. You would voice any concerns, give any praises, do whatever you wanted to do and have a, and have conversation with the shepherds. And, I was talking to one of them uh, while I was there. I attended the lectureships while this while Carnes Church building was being remodeled, and um, I believe his his name his last name was Waters because it, I remember he joked about muddy waters. Um, but I talked to him, Todd Aaron, for like two hours because I was like, "This is cool." Like, what what, what are y'all doing? And he said, "the the the thing that you've got to do." is communication and transparency is the key. If you don't have communication and transparency with the members, you don't have a congregation. And then number two, you have to have more stuff going on that's not Sunday and Wednesday. 
than any one member of the congregation could attend 100% of. So you had to be very, very active with a, with a crowd that big. And I think at the time they had uh, uh, somewhere between five and 600 members. I, I like to hear true accounts of larger congregations that from the pulpit, the whole truth can be taught and elders are striving to practice the truth. I mean, that's like, cause I just kind of grew up hearing negative things about bigger congregations. And sadly, yeah. often bigger congregations seem to be the ones that just slack on doctrine. They're, they're good at practicing certain doctrines, like in lifestyle, you know, in personal lifestyle, but the whole truth isn't taught from the pulpit. Uh, you won't hear, you know, of, of church discipline when necessary or whatever, things like that, because they let, you know, marriage, divorce and remarriage. You may not hear the whole truth on that because got a segment of 40 or 50 members that are living in adultery and you don't want to quote unquote run them yeah. off. But when you hear of a congregation that's bigger, it's like, tell me about it. I like to hear about it. Like, I feel like the, the Lord's work is succeeding when it's a little bit bigger congregation. So I just want to say that because I got, yeah, I grew up the younger, a smaller congregation still in one that's kind of smaller to medium size. And, and I, I'm used to that. And I kind of prefer it, but I love hearing true story accounts of bigger congregations that are doing what's right. It's very encouraging. We seem mm-hmm. far and few between. So tell me about them. I want to hear about them, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We had an hour and 21 minutes, and I meant to stop an hour, uh, 20 minutes ago. Um, I will, before we do our closing ceremonies, uh, Todd, you have the last word, brother. Looking forward to next week. Awesome. Awesome. Terry Crooks says, has anyone ever visited the congregation in New York city or plan to, I don't plan to, and I've never visited, but if there's a congregation in New York city, which evidently there is, I'd like to go check them out. And Rusty Kirby says, from my view, people feel, uh, overlooked even in a church of 250 to 280, Terry, they absolutely can. And and I think that's one thing that the West End elders were so very adamant about that you have to be active in the congregation as an elder so these people don't feel overlooked. All right. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor as we close. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson and lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a church congregation or any organization? Seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or any organization she sees fit. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or, and this is the preferred method, send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dawson today, lindsayfaydawson at gmail.com. Also, we want to give you the opportunity. This is only because we've been asked. There's a tip jar. You can, you can tip the Christianity Now podcast platform, www.nearchurches at gmail.com. This goes directly to me and Aaron. We were just talking this morning. Aaron needs uh, a couple of pieces of equipment to finish out his studio down there in Arkansas. And we would like to start having more guests. So between advertisement, between an honorarium for our guests, which poor old Todd's not going to get one because we ain't got no money, and between some uh, equipment that Aaron would need, we have a need of a few hundred dollars. You're already, uh, some of you already take advantage of this. Some of you already do the buymeacoffee.com forward slash Christianity now. 
Some of you already do the patreon.com forward slash Christianity now. We're so thankful. And the best way to support us is to go to Substack and subscribe to our Substack and do the $5 a month model or do the $50 a year. That's how you can support us. Thank you so much. Scott Beck can attest that Lindsay does a great job. He has used her. And uh, yeah, that's all we've got. Uh, we've, we've given Todd the last word. And uh, Aaron, unless you've got anything, we're going to sign off. Yeah, just keep in mind, I appreciate all the supporters and those that support. Uh, you're supporting us as podcasters, not local preachers. We've got support locally, and we're thankful for that. So uh, when you support us, you're That's supporting it. us as podcasters to teach online as we have opportunity. So, All right. God bless everyone. Be sure and subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio to cogitations this archive this is going to be archived on that channel and be the algorithm for, for us share this on your social media platforms god bless you and we'll catch you next week when we talk about the qualification of elders we'll catch you on the flip side